Welcome to this episode of Athletic Training Chat. On this episode, we have Alexis Schaefer, who is a staff athletic trainer at UW Lacrosse. Uh, Greg, who does the interview, is actually underneath Alexis as her serving as his preceptor. Uh, but this is a topic that is becoming rightfully so increasingly important, and that is just mental health in general, but definitely in our setting and the setting that Alexis is currently in, in athletics. Um, Alexis has a strong and deep passion for mental health and is already putting forward a lot of great initiatives um, within our program uh, that we are thankful for as they get going, but ultimately is looking to go back to fur- to school to further her education and be able to provide more um, in terms of services to student-athletes when it comes to their mental health. Uh, great episode, a lot of insight. Alexis has really gone and run with this. It's been fantastic um, and has a lot of good ideas that can be implemented um, depending on where you're at. As always, we are powered by Mueller Sports Medicine. Please don't forget to check them out as you start putting in your orders, um, looking at end of the year things, getting ready for the next semester, um, and always um, feel free to send them ideas and thoughts that you might have that could help you do your job better as an athletic trainer. Without further ado, enjoy this episode. All right, welcome to this episode of Athletic Training Chat. Um, we have another guest for you guys today. Um, we are interviewing Alexis Schaefer. She is an athletic trainer at University of Wisconsin Lacrosse, um, and she has personally been my preceptor now for kind of two educational sessions. So uh, I've gotten to know her pretty well so far. Um, so without further ado, I guess I'll let uh, I'll let you kind of take over and give us a little background on yourself, Alexis. Sure. Thanks, Greg. Um, so background of education, I have a BS in athletic training from UW-Madison. Um, following that, I did a year-long internship, athletic training internship at Northwestern University um, in Chicago. And then following that, I went and pursued a master's of exercise science at Northern Michigan University, which is where my mental health interest kind of became a little bit more academic with my thesis. Um, Following that, I had a one year of experience as a manager in an athletic training clinic, also at uh, Northern Michigan University. And then after that, I came to lacrosse because I wanted to get back into the collegiate athletic setting um, and experience it. And unfortunately, the year and a half that I've been here has been far from normal. So I'm still waiting for that first legitimate year of collegiate athletics experience, but hopefully it'll come next year. So that is my educational background. Awesome. Um, So I guess uh, to our kind of audience today, we're going to really be diving into mental health. Um, That's one of Alexis's big kind of passions and um, she's very interested in it. I'll definitely let her explain a lot of that, but um, she is kind of continuing education so that she can dive more into the mental health aspect of um, kind of pairing that with an athletic training role. And then um, I guess kind of a brief interruption. 
I see um, Austin Fitzpatrick, one of our co-hosts, uh, kind of joined us here to say hello. So he's coming in from Mississippi. Hello. Just wanted to pop in and say hello. See how everyone's doing. Yeah, it's been a while. How you doing? Living the dream. <laughs> Go away, Preston. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, um, I guess to see we'll how everyone was doing. What's I up? Just wanted to see how everyone was doing here. Say yeah, hello to sure. the Wisconsin folks. <laughs> yeah. We miss yeah. you. We miss you in the office. Yeah. I bet Joel. Joel's really suffering without me right now. Yeah, he really misses his right-hand man. <laughs> uh-huh. All right, well, we have to practice. I just wanted to stop in and say hello. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. Glad you did. Yep. Talk to y'all later. All right. Thanks. Um, so I guess jumping back into the, the mental health discussion here. Um, it's been a while since we've heard from Austin, so it's always good to hear from him. Um, kind of our first question for you is what caused you to become kind of so involved and become this big advocate for mental health? Um, so I really the biggest um, I guess the moment that hits home for me the hardest was my year at Northwestern. Personally went through some stuff that I'd never gone through before that year. And then that was the first year as a certified talking with athletes and just in the day-to-day conversation in the AT room, I, I just really noticed some mental health issues that crop up. And I think every single athletic trainer can attest to a conversation or somebody that they notice is just off. Um, and then I realized, I was like, holy crap, I, I don't actually know how to formally approach this. I knew how to ask how they were doing. I knew how to check in and be like, hey, seemed a little off, what's up? But I didn't know like the true academic signs and symptoms, like process, any of that, the physiology, like I, I really wanted to know the physiology. So that was kind of the moment where I was like, I feel like there's a gap here. Um, and then after that, like I said, when I went and got my master's, the mental health kind of became academic with my thesis and it was I just kind of grabbed a bunch of variables that really interested me and threw them together um, but it was uh, student athletes perception of smartphone use and its effects on sleep quality anxiety and depression and so I can honestly say that those kind of variables this the sleep quality the anxiety depression and student athletes really summarize a lot of my interests um, and so that kind of just springboarded me into, I took part in a ton of committees. I was on, a, a student athlete mental health committee after that, that turned into an actual, um, school wide kind of mental health. It was called mind your health, um, push. So between that, and then I took a couple suicide, um, intervention trainings all within the, the three years that I was at Northern Michigan university. So it kind of took this interest in this, like, I feel like there's a whole to me realizing like, okay, I actually am very, very passionate about this and very interested and I want to help. And I have a lot of things that I, I think I notice and can connect. And that brought me here. And then, as you said, um, I am now starting January pursuing another master's um, in mental health counseling from the Turbo University and hopefully that's a, a two a year-round two-year program um, once we finish that I'm hoping that with all of that knowledge we can combine what I would consider my dream job and what I would also consider 
uh, a bridge to fill that gap at, at everywhere, but especially at lacrosse. Um, so yeah, that's that's how I started, and that's where I am now. Okay, and I know you kind of just touched base on it a little bit there at the end, but what would you say is kind of your your career angle with um, all these different educational pieces and piecing that together with your um, clinical side? Um, so I definitely still love athletic training. I love the excitement of being on a sideline. I love being able to be the first responder. I love our athletic specific first aid knowledge. Um, I love the relationships. So I, I don't want to get rid of athletic training. This is not me easing myself out of the athletic training profession into counseling totally. Um, my dream job, honestly, would be to provide athlete-specific counseling sessions in uh, ideally the mornings. Like uh, we have our rehab morning sessions. Why not have a couple counseling sessions right next to them available? Um, so I would counsel, have my own office, work through some things with an any athlete or team or coach or staff member really who feels that they need help. And then afternoon would function like any normal collegiate athletic trainer, um, come in pre-treats, practice, post-treats, the whole, the whole thing. So that's my or dream. Um, there's a lot of other little uh, shoot-offs of that. I, I think it'd be really cool. And this is touching on, I think, a future question that we have, but I'd really like to start incorporating or finding a way to get back into the academic side and helping teach student athletic trainers um, more of a mental health basis as opposed to strictly I feel like most of our academics focus on sports psychology and brushing on kind of anxieties and stuffing like that stuff like that but mm -hmm. getting into the real true deep like um, the limbic system and what it does to our anxiety and what your prefrontal cortex does in response to, like all that kind of stuff I don't think that that's really learned um, in depth in athletic and I think it should be that's that the brain drives the body and we focus on the body a ton but I, I want that an equal focus on the brain sure so do you think that um there should kind of be a separate course for um diving into this mental health like in most educational programs here for athletic training i really do i really think that it it, it should be um uh mental I struggle, I don't want to say illness because I don't want to focus strictly on the, the things that can go wrong. Um, but there needs to be more of a defined course that focuses on like trauma and what it does to anybody. And so both in the, in the athletics world, so injury trauma, uh, family trauma, how that makes people respond to pain. I mean, our, our jobs are to mitigate pain. So not understanding fully how a person perceives, conceptualizes, works through pain, depending on what their past experiences are. I, I feel like we need to know that. Um, knowing true signs of anxiety and depression and those kinds of things, as opposed to, you know, you look kind of down or you kind of seem worked up. I, I want to know um, with the help of like questionnaires and can we start implementing them more and having more of a, a, a feeler out for what is actually going on. Um, so yeah, I think a class uh, that has defined curriculum towards mental health, yeah, I think that should be part of our 
part of the athletic training curriculum. Yeah, awesome. I guess to kind of branch off that a little bit, um, I know we just talked about like an education piece um, with a class, but what other steps do you think that schools and um, athletic training programs can kind of incorporate to tackle this um, clinical and mental health aspect coming together? Um, so one thing that I witnessed is um, having a clear cut involvement on the student athlete side, uh, especially through the different committees. I know there's a SAC is a committee that's on every single campus and there are usually fairly active members in that. Um, I learned from working with all the committees at Northern how if you get a student athlete involvement, things run a lot smoother and there's much more clear cut direction as to what they feel needs to help or would help. Um, so I think that's the first thing is kind of having some kind of either a faculty member within an athletic training program or an athletic trainer within the actual athletics department um, kind of have, you know, a pulse on a, a group like that within the student athletes. I also think frequent um, and easily accessible communication between the counseling centers on campus and an athletics department. I know in higher level schools and professional settings, they typically have a psychologist or psychiatrist like on site that is that is the athletics department right there. Mm -hmm. um, so that speaks a little bit more to our level of D3 and probably D2 as well. But even still just having a clear cut understanding of what each side does. So counseling, understanding what an athletic trainer does and knows and also understanding what an athlete, student athlete goes through. Um, and then athletic trainers also understanding the kind of fine fine-tuned nuts and bolts of a counseling psychological services. There are, there are different healthcare procedures in that world than we are used to, especially with um, privacy. It's a whole nother level of privacy and confidentiality that we, we obviously abide to with HIPAA, but it gets even a little bit more um, sensitive in the mental health world. And I don't think that those two things are clearly understood between the two worlds. So communication between that as well. Yeah. Okay. Um, I guess not to completely change the topic here or anything, but um, I know in like professional sports, there has kind of been a little bit more advocacy lately. Um, just a few names off the top of my head would be Dak Prescott, uh, the Dallas Cowboys quarterback, and then Kevin Love. He's been an all-star NBA player. Um, they've been kind of a lot more open about their mental health and um, I guess that kind of goes along with ending the stigma. What do you kind of have to say about um, kind of the stigma of mental health and how, you know, athletes are supposed to be these, you know, big, tough individuals. Um, what, what can we do to kind of end that stigma? Um, I think the first thing, well, obviously this goes without saying, but talking and not only talking, but listening. Uh, everybody always likes to say, you know, talk about it more, talk about it and share your experiences but we also need an audience to listen to and to not just hear it, you know, for the sake of sitting there and saying, yeah, I heard that, but actually listen and find similarities and learn something and like ask questions to continue the conversation. So active, active listening um, is a big one, but 
Um, I think it, there, there comes to this whole idea of allowing, trusting an athlete to know themselves better than we know them, um, which goes along with also education of that fine line between, you know, you can push yourself because you need to, and that actually makes you better versus you've hit a point where um, this is actually kind of detrimental. You do need to take some break. And that, that again goes into that education because that's, that's something that's taught in psychology and counseling, knowing the difference between being able to push to overcome versus push to deteriorate. Those are two different paths. Um, so knowing that and then like allowing people to have time off, I think is one thing. Cause one of the biggest things for mental health is, especially in athletes is, um, they're feeling run down, right? They're feeling overwhelmed, run down, time management. And frequently you'll hear, I just wish I had more time or I wish I had a day off to take a breath or those kinds of things. And the fact that that is not easily asked for amongst athletic trainers or coaches or teammates, um, I think is maybe some place to start, just allow those mental health days. Uh, I know here at lacrosse, our, I believe it's our swim and dive team the coaches say it's either one or two days, no questions asked. If you just need a day, you get that day. So one or two days, no questions asked, take it. And I think that's a really good, that's easy. That's giving them enough of a room to recover mentally, but not, you know, a whole nine yards of doing whatever they want. So stuff like that. Um, it, and it's also the, the top down, uh, student athletes, not idolized, but they look up to the people in positions of power. Their coaches, their athletic trainers, their um, ads, those kinds of people. They're they're the captains of their ship. So when you have those captains sharing stories of their own struggles and having transparency from the top down, I know that that resonates with student athletes. I know that they're like, holy cow, like I can't believe so-and-so. He's such a hard coach and he seems so tough. The fact that he's sitting there talking about a period of time when he struggled with depression, that resonates. I've heard how that resonates. So I think a little bit more transparency and openness within higher level administration would also help kind of break that stigma. Um, it's not just, mental health isn't just a student athlete, it's everybody. Um, and then also stop with this associ association between mental health equals something's wrong. Um, if I'm sitting here and saying, you know, I, I focused on mental health today, that doesn't mean I sat and I pondered about my bouts with depression and my heart was racing with anxiety. It might have just meant that I read a book with a different perspective and self-reflected and pushed myself to think outside like mental activity is mental health self-reflection is mental health you know communication with a relate within relationships is mental health so um i think that's one of the biggest stigmas mental health equals mental illness and and i know i even fall fall guilty of making that association but that's something we need to get rid of and i think it might come down to a change in terminology and I haven't, I haven't figured out the like the magic title or combination of words that's going to change people's perception but um, we need to break that association sure yeah a lot of a lot of really good points there um hopefully people can kind of pick obviously we'd like them to pick all those but um, at least to, <laughs> yeah. to get started somewhere there's a lot of good stuff there to 
to really dive into. Um, I guess another question for you would be, you've clearly taken a lot of these courses, you've heard a lot of speakers, um, you know, the, the passion is definitely there. So what are some of the best resources that you've found so far that have really upped your passion and kept you kind of pursuing this career addition? Um, so the NCAA has a student athlete mental health. Um, well, it was a summit that happened in January. Um, and it, it's fairly new. I think the summit, it happened, it was at UCLA this January. I think it might've been either the maybe first, no, it was probably the second summit. So it's a very fresh committee. Um, but contacting them because the, it's the NCAA. So the NCAA is putting together the best of the best. They have psychologists, psychiatrists, athletic trainers, physicians, coach, like everybody is in this group. And there are a lot of fantastic um, ideas and resources thrown around there. So reaching out for just kind of um, colleague and peer communication, that's a good place if you want like a high, high level. Um, local resources, again, your counseling center. Go to your counseling center. It's their job to have all the resources right there. So don't make it harder for us than we have to. Um, we can obviously add ones within the athletics because we'll maybe have uh, a sports psychologist or a sports specific counselor that we know, but everything else, the suicide hotline, the chat rooms, the, the on-campus resources, those are not going to change between an athlete and a non-athlete. So go to your counseling center, find the list, hand it out, put it in emails. That needs to be well circulated. Um, <clears throat> The NCAA has best practices and the best practices can be occasionally overwhelming um, because there are so many things that would obviously be amazing to implement. Uh, here at Lacrosse, we're trying to ease in to obviously, and this year was the first year that we really hit the um, preseason questionnaires um, that are suggested by NCAA um, to really get a feel for what is actually happening within the minds and the emotions of our student athletes. Um, and then NCAA puts out responses accordingly. So again, it's, it's kind of a, a really nice step-by-step -step process to fall. Don't make it harder for ourselves than we already have to work so hard for. Um, so that's another resource, the NCAA best practices. Um, and again, I'll go back to I go back to SAC a lot just because that's the organization that I know the best. Um, but I know there are other organizations and platforms that captains and people of, of leadership within the student athletes themselves are part of um, and go to that and use that as a resource of information of what is needed or what they're going through or do they just need a space to vent? Do you need to bring in therapy animals? Um, what would they think about a day where we had yoga? So that kind of stuff. So that's not so much um, a resource of what to do, but more of a resource of information of what is needed. So um, those are kind of the top ones that are coming to mind and that we've, we've tried to utilize here. Sure. Yeah, I know I've, uh, even as a student, you know, in the program, I've kind of noticed, um, definitely a change in things. And that's obviously a fantastic change that we're doing all this, but the questionnaires seem excellent for, you know, you don't really know what's going on inside the mind until you 
um, and in this case can see it on the questionnaire and can address it later on if you have to. I mean, I know it doesn't necessarily compare, but it to me it kind of reminds me of like a, a movement screening where, you know, if they're not so good at this, we can get them in to work on it before something happens. And I think if you look at these mental health questionnaires, you can kind of prevent something from happening. Um, you know, whether severity, you know, can obviously differ, but I think the more you can implement in that regard, you can catch a lot more things and just make sure your athletes are, you know, in a, in a better place for their season and training and all that good stuff. So. Yeah, exactly. Prevention. Um, you hit one of my favorite terms. That's one of my other passions. Prevention. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess I, I have one more kind of question for mental health related things and we can branch off if you'd like. Sure. Um, but I know you've given a few talks to kind of our clubs on campus and um, kind of us students in general, but what are maybe one or two kind of easier topics that um, you enjoy teaching and that have gone well, uh, maybe have been, you know, compliant within the people you've kind of taught it to? What would that entail? Um, so I, the one you're referring to that I've done the most is that I can help suicide intervention. Mm -hmm. um, I don't, obviously I don't necessarily like giving that topic. It's a very heavy and that presentation is, can be pretty like mentally draining if you really get into it. Um, it's about really heavy, sad topics, but it's necessary. So I like giving that one in the sense that people need to hear about it, but I don't like it in the fact that I feel particularly just joyful afterwards. <laughs> one of the, uh, the topics within my thesis, I have kind of dove deeper in and parsed off variables and um, given talks. I actually just recently gave a talk specifically to sleep. And obviously, disclaimer, I'm not a sleep specialist. And everything that I've done is um, just article and journal journals and book based. And I would love to, in another life, be a sleep analysis Um specialist but that's not a reality so anyways sleep is a big one sleep is and learning what sleep does for your brain connections um specifically as i talked about before uh limbic and your your prefrontal cortex it blows my mind so just a little bit of a background limbic system is what is often referred to as your lizard brain it's the brain that has all of the kind of primordial reactions of survival, procreation, um, is something trying to eat me? Do I need to run away? I'm hungry, I need to survive. Like all of those thoughts, feelings live in the limbic system. Um, and understanding that that's fully developed the second you're born. So everybody has that hardwired into us to survive and to procreate. We are just animals on earth. Um, and then humans have this really amazing thing called the prefrontal cortex, uh, where we get the higher level thinking and the higher level emotion, and the higher level relationships and learning and kind of all the things that make your personality a little bit more individualized. And understanding that sleep helps that prefrontal cortex override that limbic system. And when you don't have proper sleep, the connections, they, they fry out, they don't connect as smoothly, or they get um, fatigued faster. So the, one of the biggest things that I, I get very passionate about is just, are you getting enough sleep and are you getting enough good sleep? Because it's two completely different things. So 
learning about that through my thesis, it was a big, a big um, eye opener for myself. And then when talking about it with athletes, I feel like that's something that really kind of resonates with them. And then you throw in the smartphone and the blue light and how that like affects melatonin release and all this stuff. And I'm kind of giving a, when I give a very general overview of those many different complicated things and I watch them like, wait, so you mean like that when I'm sitting on my phone at 10 PM and the blue light, it's, it's going to affect my sleep all the way to like 2 PM. I'm like, yeah, it's not just, I'm having trouble falling asleep. It's, it's affecting your sleep as a whole. And so things like that I get passionate about because one of my biggest kind of life mottos that I've grown into is control what you can control. Um, especially right now with a lot of really uncontrollable things floating around us. Uh, control what you can control and your use of your time with sleep, with phone use, with nutrition, with exercise, nine times out of 10, you can control that. So do the best you can, educate yourself and, and hopefully then you'll see some fairly simple positive results. So the sleep one, that is another topic that I get pretty, pretty excited about. <laughs> Awesome. Well, I mean, it's for good reason too. Um, we just appreciate your passion for um, kind of this whole topic as a whole. I know it's it's not easy to talk about, and it's uh, I know it's it is growing, but you know it's it's still so misunderstood, and like we we talked about the stigma and everything. So um, hopefully, we can keep advocating, and um, you know we'll, we definitely want to see what you can what you can do with all of your education and um, career opportunities and everything. So uh, I guess to maybe segment or segue a little bit off mental health, um, I kind of have one specific question that I think would be interesting just to hear. So uh, I guess for the audience that doesn't know, I was um, a student under Alexis for last year's baseball season, got to know her pretty well. And then uh, I am with her right now for kind of just general clinic um, work down for our collegiate setting. Uh, and so she is a pretty competitive or was a pretty competitive soccer player. And she covers soccer and baseball. And um, I guess I kind of wanted to to ask her this, but you played soccer at like this extremely high level. You understand, you know, the game very well. What is it like working with soccer and then um, with baseball? Because um, by no means am I saying that you um, like don't understand the movements or anything. Like you are very comfortable with that. You have a lot of great shoulder ideas. Um, but the first day of my clinical, she goes, what does a backwards K mean? What does this mean? It's like, <laughs> what is it like working with, you know, a sport that you played for so long and, you, you know, you're um, – I don't want to say more passionate about it because I can tell that you're passionate about just sports in general and movement. Um, and you obviously do some great work with shoulders, backs, things that obviously you're going to see in baseball as well. But what has that been like where you're um, kind of with soccer and then baseball and now you kind of catch them in the same day. So um, I was just wondering if you could provide maybe a little insight on that. Um, so uh ultimately comes down to the athletic trainers are trained in the body and um hits home one of my if if i could 
suggest something for a young student to really focus on, which is anatomy. Because if you know anatomy, then you know athletes. Um, and something I struggled with, actually. I, I learned the anatomy, but it didn't stick. So it took some time for it to stick. And now that it's stuck, um, it, things aren't obviously quite as simple, but a shoulder is a shoulder, a hip is a hip, and doesn't matter how they hurt themselves, they hurt themselves. Where I see a struggle is getting the athletes to buy in. Um, and and I'm, I try to be a very, very transparent person. I, I hope that people see that when I don't know something, I'm going to ask a question when it doesn't make sense to me. Um, I'm going to give it my best, but then I'm going to give a disclaimer of, yeah, but this isn't my specialty or I need to do more research or something like that. So I think getting the athletes to trust you just as a healthcare provider and not as a baseball athletic trainer, um, baseball is specifically particularly superstitious. Uh, so that's a little interesting because I know they have, they typically have, you know, their guys that train them and know them and their arm was this angle and they got it to be this angle and this, all this stuff. And I'm, I'm kind of like, okay, cool. Um, but then I, I always like to go back then to the basics. I'm a big, you know, core person. If you have a good, strong, controllable from diaphragm down to your glutes, then most things between the arms and the legs work. So I, I think that's one of my biggest um, philosophies when going in with a sport that I'm not really 100% sure of because I'm like, okay, I understand the core. The core is the basis for everything. I don't understand your motion specifically, but if we've got a good core control, I have a feeling that some things are going to resolve themselves. Um, so yeah, soccer, <laughs> it's just more fun because I can sit there and I can talk stats and I know, you know, players and I know defenses and I know formations and I know why you just pulled that person out and why we're putting in someone else. I get that for soccer whereas baseball I'm kind of like I have no idea why that picture was just pulled it looks like they were doing really good to me so I um but I think it's again just asking questions I ask the I asked you that first day but then I also <laughs> I ask the athletes too when I'm doing rehab on a field player or a pitcher or a catcher I'm like okay so explain to me tell me why like teach me teach me mm -hmm. um, and I think that also helps them because they're like okay she she's being honest and she's asking me my opinion and I, I hope that makes them feel then you know like they're helping me help them and that they I don't know I, I hope that makes them feel a little bit more involved with their bodies so um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, I think I've worked with a fair number of sports that I do and do not understand. Uh, there's sports that I don't understand that I'm a particular fan of. So that also, as long as you care about the person, and I always try to be the athletic trainer who push comes to shove. I just want to know you as a person, learn about it, learn about you. Um, I don't think it really matters what sport you work with. Yeah, I was um, not going to say like hoping you would kind of touch on that, but um, I guess for anyone that knows Alexa, she's extremely transparent and, um, you know, I don't, I don't think the baseball players by any means um, take offense to it or anything. I mean, they, they see the work that you do. They, 
you know, they get better mm-hmm. usually in a hurry after working with you. Um, so I, I just wanted to kind of get your take on, you know, what the initial dynamic was like, because I got to kind of witness all of it and then the transition to now. And um, I just kind of thought that would be maybe an interesting thing to touch on. So I still don't uh, really understand what a backwards K and a K means. So. <laughs> we'll get there um so i guess without um unless you have anything to kind of add i was gonna kind of start our at chat five questions um uh so we can just start those questions because i think the the things that i was going to talk about are actually within those questions so okay well yeah feel free to kind of tangent off uh whenever you feel it's necessary so First question for you would be, where do you see athletic training going in the next five to 10 years? Oh man. Um, well, this pandemic has such, such an interesting caveat to the whole process. Uh, I, I do see athletic training specializing more. I, I feel like we're going to get to a point where just within um, PTs and OTs and physicians where it was no longer such a general a general PT is not as common a PT that specializes in you know vestibular motor or shoulders that's more common I feel like athletic trainers are going to follow that suit as well um, which I kind of like and also dislike um, because when you specialize obviously you you can lose touch with the basics Um, but I also think for me personally, finding my specialty and figuring out what I love so much within mental health that has opened up a passion for my profession that I didn't think was there originally. So kind of as long as you're diligent about still maintaining that, that basic level of the generalized stuff that makes an athletic trainer an athletic trainer, it shouldn't be a problem. Um, but that's where I see it, specialties for sure. Um, I also, I've had some really deep philosophical discussions with some of my friends and my roommates about, do you think the pandemic's going to like completely, um, dismember collegiate athletics as we know it kind of thing. So that is going to be interesting to watch unfold just how then the athletic training profession within collegiate athletics responds to that. Um, cause if that happens and if I, if, college athletics does change like it potentially could after this i see then athletic training becoming much more of a clinical industrial military kind of setting um more than what we see as traditionally in the college setting so uh as long as we keep working together that's the big one right is open communication and working together within the profession um I think we'll survive this rough patch. Sure. Yeah, it's a great point. Um, our next question for you is what advice would you give yourself as a young athletic trainer? Um, uh, trust the process when you're starting off. It, it's like the opening gate of a marathon, right? Hot mess. Everybody's elbowing. You're just focused on the fact that you're not in the front. Um, You're focused on the fact that your foot hurts. You're focused on the fact that your form isn't going the way you thought it was going to go after that opening gun. Um, 
So trust the process that it, it is a hot mess when you start. And it is probably a hot mess a couple times within the race as well, but you're going to get to the finish line. Uh, and that's, as a student, I was so preoccupied with what um, my resume looked like and what I didn't, didn't know. I was so focused on what I didn't know and comparing myself to others that I didn't just take the time to learn who I was as an athletic trainer. Um, so it took me a little bit longer to get there, but once I got there, I hit a stride that was really comfortable and it's really nice to be in that stride. So trust the process and trust yourself. Um, but then again, going back to my previous statement, control what you can control. So put in the effort of, you know, reading a book instead of going out, um, put in the effort of making a contact with somebody instead of, you know, talking to the same friend for the 17 millionth time or watching the same Netflix series over and over. Like, just push yourself out of that comfort zone and control what you can control. So trust yourself, control what you can control. Yeah, some great advice. Um, what has been the most influential resource uh, that you've found in your career? Um. My classmates, um, my classmates and my colleagues, uh, being able to have a sounding board off of people who are going through very similar things or completely different things. Uh, this, I think it was March or April, my UW-Madison athletic training class, we had a Zoom hangout and it, I cannot express to you how nice it was to sit and talk to them and hear about similar concerns, but also hear about really awesome successes, seeing people in places you were like, I remember when we were 21, I never would have guessed that you were gonna be there doing that. And um, that's been a really good resource of a comfortable, safe place to ask clinical questions without being judged, and also a safe place to kind of push the envelope with thoughts about the profession, thoughts about workplace environments, that kind of stuff. So uh, yeah, classmates and then colleagues. Sure. All right. Our next one for you is if you could change or eliminate one thing, uh, it could be modality, a mindset, a common practice, uh, literally anything that you can think of in the field of athletic training, what would that be and why? Um. I think that sometimes, and this could be generational, this could be um, specific to the setting, specific to the school environment, whatever. But I think sometimes athletic trainers come up with an inferiority complex where we uh, have worked so hard to gain footing within the medical world. We have worked so hard to get um, sports physicians and sports med physicians and orthopedics and nurses and PTs to be like, what is an to stop saying what is an athletic trainer and to know what an athletic trainer is. And it's by no means been a fun process and it's still happening all the time everywhere. Um, but sometimes I feel like we go into situations with chips off our shoulder um, and maybe just set up um, 
relationships within the medical world as we're the underdog. Even if you are the underdog, you don't need to come in thinking you are the underdog. It's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy then, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So coming in, just doing, again, everything within your power to present, be educated, carry yourself and communicate like a highly professional medical professional, we're going to be fine. We, we are fine. We've made it this far. So let's just keep doing it. So, um, not so much. I, and I'm not saying obviously sitting in, in pitting professions against each other is anybody's goal. I just think it, it kind of innately happens. Um, so more openness and more communication. I would love, I would love, love, love to see, and not just athletic trainers, the athletic trainers don't have to be the ones that spearhead this, but just conferences and summits where all medical professionals are present and all down to dentists, dentists, psychologists, sports med, uh, oncology. I just feel like athletic trainers, I just feel like we all have so much overlapping and in common and are all struggling with the same things, but we don't like to communicate it. Um, there is strength in numbers and there is power in um, recognizing each other. So, so occasionally we need to drop the inferiority complex and just be like, hey, we're one of them. Let's relax and just do our thing. Sure. Yeah, no, that's uh, an interesting point, but I think a, a good one to make for sure. So kind of our last AT chat question for you here is, what does being an athletic trainer mean to you? Um, to me, it's, it, it means to be an advocate, an advocate of a population of people, um, whether it's athletes, whether it's industrial workers, whether it's military, um, whether it's working in a clinic with sports medicine patients. Um, it's being an advocate for someone who was utilizing their body as a tool um, and, and using what we've been given to get to, to do work, to do work in life and making sure that that tool that we all have is its healthiest that it can be. Um, so to me, it's sometimes that means being a voice for somebody who might not necessarily have the position or power to be the voice themselves Sometimes it just means being a, an ear for me personally, being an ear to listen to that person, um, using our knowledge to educate people that they have that understanding and power within themselves too. Um, yeah, just kind of an advocate. An athletic trainer is an advocate, a hardworking, very diligent, very intelligent medical professional advocate. Sure. Yeah. Um... Another great answer. Uh, I know a lot of people can attest to that. And, um, you know, it's, it's a gritty group of people. I think that, you know, we, we kind of have a lot of different avenues that we can choose to go down, but at the end of the day, you know, we all share kind of the same passion, the same, um, healthcare, you know, desire to be, to be that person that gets to help out, um, when necessary. So, uh, do you have anything else to add? I know, um, we kind of covered a lot of different things there, but I'll let you kind of turn it over here at the end. Um, no, I think we, we hit on 
mostly everything that's coming to mind right now. So good questions. Hopefully, hopefully I, I learned something just thinking about them and hearing your responses as well. So I'm glad that everyone learned. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah, we, uh, we definitely thank you, um, for joining us. You know, it's, um, anytime we can get obviously a UWL, um, staff member, it's, it's always great. Cause that's kind of where we started our base here. So, um, but you know, it's not often that we get to have the mental health discussion. Um, and I think that a lot of your answers are going to be extremely helpful for our audience and, um, you know, really anyone that gets to come across this, but, uh, keep, please keep, uh, being an advocate and, um, stick with education because the stuff that you're kind of working on is extremely necessary, but yet there's not a whole lot of organized things going on for, you know, what you're pushing for. And, um, you know, us at athletic, athletic training chat are, obviously really excited and, and behind you for, for all that. So um, just keep at it. And for those listening, please start taking mental health more serious and the stigma, um, you know, just address it with your athletes, with your patients, whoever that may be. So um, I'll kind of just end it on that note, but um, thank you again, Alexis.